It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Today is Crossover Wednesday. In just a few minutes, Joe will be joined from the guys from the Lockdown Steelers podcast to talk about yet another meaningless Steelers week, as they all are in the 2019 season where the Bengals are in a race to the bottom for the number one overall pick, and more than likely, Joe Burrow. If you just need an idea of how good Joe Burrow is, go check out PFF Mike on Twitter today. Or just look at the tweets that I retweeted, at Jake underscore NFL. He is doing some unprecedented things in a huge way at the college football level and has the film to back up the incredible statistical output. But it is Steelers week. I mentioned yesterday I would like to see the Bengals beat the Steelers. At the same time, Joe, my esteemed colleague and co-host, reminded me today in the direct messages on Twitter that I don't remember the Steelers' losses in 2002 or 2010 or you name a bad Bengals season. I don't remember those games at all. I remember this season and how much this season has been painful, but I'll forget about it. The losing seasons are forgettable. Getting Joe Burrow, that's something that we'll pay attention to for the next who knows how many years. Hopefully 10, 15. Now, This is Steelers week. I am going to talk a little bit about the injury situation for the Steelers and the Bengals practice squad signees. Then Joe will be on to preview the game with our colleagues from the Locked On Steelers podcast. The Steelers will be shorthanded when they take on the Bengals this week in Cincinnati. And the Bengals filled out their practice squad. This is your Locked On Bengals lead story. I'm Jake Lisko. The Steelers will be without their starting center, Marquise Pouncey, for his role in the Mason-Rudolph-Miles-Garrett fight. Of course, Mason-Rudolph got off with just a fine. He will not be suspended, so he'll be playing. But the question remains, who will he be throwing the ball to or handing the ball off to? James Conner re-injured his shoulder in Week 11, and Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, and Ola Adenaye are all in the concussion protocol. Juju Smith-Schuster also dealing with a knee injury. It's hard to see any of those guys getting healthy in time to take on the Bengals this week. Without their top two receivers in Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster, the remaining guys, Johnny Holton, James Washington, Tevin Jones, and Deion Kane, will have to look to pick up the slack. And I've got to be honest, I've only heard of one, maybe one and a half of those guys So that's going to be a tough task for Mason Rudolph, who's generally struggling at quarterback in the first place. 
Look for the Steelers to take ample advantage of their tight end matchups using Vance McDonald and Nick Vanette, who they acquired from the Seahawks earlier this year. And if James Conner doesn't play, I guess they will use Jalen Samuels and Dre Edmonds seem to be getting most of the carries. Things are looking pretty dire for the Steelers on offense overall, and it looks like B.J. Finney will be the guy to replace Pouncey at center this week. The rest of that offensive line is in place for the Steelers. Alejandro Villanueva in particular had a really bad game against Miles Garrett, and we'll see if the Bengals' pass rush and defensive line can continue and carry over its solid performance against the Raiders to the Pittsburgh Steelers game. The Bengals, of course, are very injured as well. A.J. Green, still a question mark. I wouldn't expect him to play. John Ross, still out for a couple more weeks. On Tate and concussion protocol, I would have to call him doubtful before knowing if he will get out of that surprisingly early. So the Bengals also essentially missing three of their top four wide receivers. They will have pretty much Tyler Boyd in the slot. They'll have undrafted rookies, Morgan Stanley and Damian Willis to go with Alex Erickson outside. And that is not likely to pose a huge threat to Mike Hilton, Joe Hayden, Minka Fitzpatrick, and the rest of that pretty good Pittsburgh Steelers secondary. If you're the kind of football fan that likes offense, this game just might not be the one for you with the Bengals defense looking to be playing a little bit better, although they're still having some assignment issues and blown coverages. They're still having some issues with the run. Look for the Steelers to have to leverage their tight ends and their running backs if they want to get anything going on offense. But meanwhile, can the Bengals do anything when they have the ball? This is a very good defense, and the Bengals' offense against a mediocre defense against the Raiders last week was awful. They got the run game going, but the passing game and Ryan Finley just don't look like they've got it. And if that's the case, I would expect more of the same this week from that offense. Joe Goodberry on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Today we'll get into the crossover episode joined by the Lockdown Steelers podcast to give you a full preview of the game. In other news today, the Bengals filled out their practice squad with Freedom Akinbalotum. He came from the New York Giants practice squad where he signed as an undrafted free agent out of Nebraska. He is listed at 6'4", 295, plays defensive end, played a total of 77 snaps for the Giants in the preseason didn't register any sacks, but did get one hit in a hurry. Had a couple run stops to his credit. So a mixed bag for him, not offering a ton as a pass rusher, but potentially as a run defender if they need him. He'll be on the practice squad, a guy to watch develop. The other guy the Bengals signed to fill out the practice squad was a wide receiver, and they obviously need help there with two undrafted free agents already on the roster and only four guys that look to be active against the Steelers. Cody Thompson played his preseason with the Kansas City Chiefs. He's an undrafted free agent from Toledo, listed at 6'2", 205. Had a really nice start to the preseason, including a good game against the Bengals in Week 1, which may be where the Bengals got his eyes on him. The Bengals, of course, also played the Giants in the preseason, so that's probably where they saw both of these guys. But Cody Thompson, really good start to the preseason on his first 51 snaps or so, kind of faded down the stretch against San Francisco in Week 3 and Green Bay in Week 4 of the preseason. Played mostly in the slot for Kansas City, but the Bengals need receivers, and if they can't get guys healthy at that position, as I mentioned earlier, we might be seeing Cody Thompson active sooner than later. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. 
BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code LOCKEDON to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Just want to give you guys another reminder that someone's offering to give you cheap rates at a luxury hotel in Miami with, by the way, an average low in December of 65 degrees and friends and family rates on tickets. For the Bengals, probably biggest game of the season against the Miami Dolphins. I know they've won a couple games now, but they are right in the thick of things. And if the Bengals happen to win that game, well, Washington, as of today, handily has a strength of schedule tiebreaker. If you want to get down to Miami for the big game, the epic Miami Kimpton Hotel is offering you rooms, our listeners, just $149 per night. And you can check out a link that we'll tweet out and have tweeted out for tickets to the game. Again, friends and family rate that the folks at the Epic Kimpton got for you in Miami, starting at $35. I looked at flights. They don't look too bad either. Just about a $300, $400 round trip. So if you want to take a weekend getaway to Miami and take in a very important Bengals game, securing the future, as it were, check out our Twitter page for the links to those great deals. Next up, we'll get Joe and the guys from the Locked On Steelers podcast talking about this weekend's game. All right, it's Crossover Wednesday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am Tony Serino of Locked On Steelers, joined by my co-host, Christopher Carter. Chris and I are joined by Joe Goodberry today of Locked On Bengals uh, to do our crossover here. Joe, how's it going? It's going as good as it can be, I guess. You know, I'm speaking from a 0-10 team here. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a rough year in Cincinnati. I want to start there with this team, right? This is an 0-10 team right now. They're they're coming off of benching Andy Dalton and putting Ryan Finley in. What is the outlook right now in Cincinnati? Is it all eyes on that 2020 draft and whatever quarterback you can get, whether it's Tua or Joe Burrow? Is that, is that kind of the mindset in Cincinnati at this point in the year? I think it is. You know, there's always some fans that are win at all costs, but I think a lot of people are looking at this like, obviously, 0-10. You know, things aren't getting better this year, and should they? When you have an opportunity to pick top three, you can find some excitement in that. And right now, they're slotted to pick number one, and there's obviously Tua and Joe Burrow at the top. Burrow's probably going to win the Heisman, and Tua's got his injury issues, so we got to figure out how that's going to go. But yeah. it's hard not to be excited just looking at college football on Saturdays and saying, you can have a guy who's probably going to win the Heisman Trophy. So i got to ask a question about Zach Taylor. Because when we talked before, you know, it's just a rough start. But, you know, hey, he's a, he's taking over a team that's been taking a lot of punches. And, you know, you could, couldn't expect a whole lot out of him. But now the losing has continued. And, um, you know, and Andy Dalton has basically been thrown down. 
what is your readout on Zach Taylor as a coach, how he's handled different situations, even just, you know, beyond the winning, like how, how you've seen how he's reacted and how the players have sort of taken all these punches right on the chin. Is, is there a sense that people are, want him gone before, before he can even get a full season in, or do you think people are going to are having faith that, Hey, you know, give him a, give him a real chance because he took over a really bad situation anyway. Yeah, and that, that's the, the other half of everything whenever we talk anything with the Bengals of what they should do or what they should probably what other NFL teams would do. The Bengals aren't like other teams. They We know this coach is going to come in with one hand behind his back. I think, it, if anything, it made us appreciate Marvin Lewis a little bit more over the last 10 weeks. But Taylor's put on a brave face. He's saying everyone's together. He's saying that the message is still there, that players are playing hard. I can't fully agree with that based on what I'm watching. I think... Anytime you put in a quarterback that's demonstrably worse than your starter, and Ryan Finley is, not that Andy Dalton was playing well, but it quickly saps all energy from some of the receivers, and I think even times the running game and, and offensive line. Uh, the defense is, is actually playing surprisingly with some energy, and, and they did last week. And for a unit that's ranked near the bottom in almost everything, it's kind of weird to say that, but they are playing and, and playing hard. They had a good game last week. I think overall, with the issues that it seems like are happening behind the scenes, we keep getting you know different little tidbits and, and rumors and reports of, of you know some maybe some fighting or some inexperience that's really holding them back in terms of the coaching staff. You got to think, you know, anytime Taylor says, "Well, we got to look towards next year's draft," or "We got to evaluate these young players," we got to know what we've got for next year. That's a positive sign to me because Marvin never did that. Marvin would go all the way to, to the final two or three weeks of the season playing some veteran that you knew wasn't going to be on the team next year, and he would never play the rookies or some of the young guys, and, and even if they weren't better. And so I think Taylor, at least doing that, he's embraced the idea that this is a long-term thing, that he's probably going to have to gut the roster this offseason and get his guys and try and build it his way because if if they're not going to let him do that, then what's the point, right? Because at, at Eventually, they got to let them say, all right, who are your guys, and let's try and get them for you. Yeah, let's go to that quarterback position then. You know, the the, uh, the Bengals have benched Andy Dalton. It'll be Ryan Finley starting this game on Sunday. What have you seen from Ryan Finley through two games, and what can Steeler fans expect on Sunday uh, to get from, from this new quarterback in Cincinnati? Oh, he's terrible. He's uh, real bad. He's, he's got a... So I, I I said it's like he's throwing paper airplanes out there because the ball just dies and it just it, he's throwing curveballs and knuckleballs and man it's crazy. It, there's five yard outs and he's hitting the ground and there's uh, you know just ten yard out routes and he's almost been picked off and for pick sixes back to back weeks. The first week they caught it, last week they dropped it, and they're just like trying to stay away from boundary throws with Ryan Finley. It's really weird to watch this offense operate and it's not like we were going from some Brett Favre at quarterback. Dalton's not known for having a crazy strong arm, but instantly you're like, whoa, I'm not even sure this guy's got an NFL arm at all. And it's it's pretty jarring to watch. Uh, but besides that, he the thing they wanted to see, and this is the thing, it, it's not that they thought Ryan Finley would be better. It's not that they're, I don't, I don't think they're actively trying to tank. This would be a good way to do it. But uh, putting Ryan Finley in, I think, was in an effort to say, okay, we need a quarterback that's going to hold the ball just a little bit longer remain calm just a little bit longer, handle pressure better than Andy Dalton was because Dalton would freak out when the pressure was getting there. And this is a bad offensive line. So you're going to get pressured. We know this. We can't change that this year. We need a guy that's just not going to throw it away or take a sack or, or look like he's out there and he can't function at all. 
And Finley's at least been able to do that. He's run. He's run five times in two games for 69 yards. Pretty decent. Uh, Andy Dalton ran five times in the first eight games total. So getting that and at least keeping some plays alive, scrambling and and trying to hit guys on on the second and third option and keeping the play alive. His time to throw from Dalton went from 2.2 seconds to 2.8 seconds with Ryan Finley. So it's going to put more pressure on the O-line but it's going to allow receivers to do a little bit more. Having said that, the offense has been terrible, so I don't know that it's actually making anything better, but it's allowing you to evaluate other players differently. See, that's an interesting part is that you could, because when you have a a quarterback who's going through all that, you got a lot of other pieces that that you're working on. I know that Auden Tate took a real rough shot, and that was really crazy to see that happen. Yeah. What, what has been your readout on other players in this offense? Because Auden Tate was one guy I saw stepping up, and I was like, hey, okay, that's a good sign for the Bengals. You know, with A.J. Green, you know, being out and, you know, they needed another answer, he was at least making the occasional play here and there. And it's like, okay, maybe there's maybe there's some hope for the future there, but now he's hurt. Um, I, I've seen Joe Mixon's stats have, you know, started have started to improve for them. But, you know, what's what have you seen from the from the other skill position players in office? They could say, hey, that's something that we can work with if we could just get a quarterback and, you know, and, and make some moves in this upcoming draft. Yeah. And they went into the bye week and that's when they benched Elton. And it seems they said, OK, let's focus on the run game. Let's start from the ground up. And I believe this offense a lot of their plays start from the run game. So they started with that, retooled it a little bit, went to more um, gap blocking, man blocking, duo blocks, and not not so much the outside zone stuff. It's funny, too. I watched the Rams and Bears game the other night, and they're doing the same transition. Like, okay, we've been figured out a little bit. This stuff's not working all the time. We need to add more diversity to our run game. And the Bengals have been doing that also, and it's worked. And Mixon's having his best performances of the last two weeks now. And I'm thinking, okay, well, let, they're getting Mixon on track. That's fine. He's their young core player, and they need to make sure he's, A, happy, and B, still good and can function in an offense. So they're doing that, and that's working as of now. For the other skill guys, they've taken a hit with Ryan Finley in there. It's just the inconsistency of throwing the ball, the limit limitations at the quarterback position. They're not able to do much. Defense is starting to clamp down even harder now, and none of them are very fast. When you don't have John Ross and A.J. Green out there, and instead you have Auden Tate who runs a 4-6, and uh, Tyler Boyd who runs a 4-5, and Alex Erickson that runs a 4-5-5, you've got some of the slowest receiving core in the league, and no one's really scared of anyone. So the, the, the coverage is getting really, really tight. And for a guy with a weak arm, that just makes it even harder, I think, to uh, complete some hard hard passes. And so when I'm watching, I'm saying, okay, we got to look at it for the full season. Because when Dalton was there and things were a little bit more efficient passing, Auden Tate looked really good. John Ross was breaking out when he was healthy. And again, we're always talking about injuries. But Tyler Boyd is a good slot guy. We're, we've got no issues with him, even though his numbers have fallen off with Finley. And Alex Erickson can contribute. And he's a good number five. If that's your number five receiver, you're doing really good. And then hopefully... A.J. Green is extended and is there for the future. And if that's the case, that one through five can help you. And not just help you, they can make plays. All of these guys had at least 90 yards in a game this year outside of A.J. Green because he hasn't played. So they've all contributed in a big way at some point. You think, all right, give me Joe Burrow if he's the first pick. That's a good supporting cast to go out there and throw to. And especially if you're figuring out the running game and getting Joe Mixon on track. You mentioned Tyler Boyd there. I saw Tyler Boyd was kind of critical uh, the other day of the Bengals and kind of how they're handling this and, you know, balls aren't coming his way and whatnot. Was that just a frustrated receiver and, you know, with, with this losing streak now at 10 games and, you know, Ryan Finley not playing well at quarterback or, you know, you talked about maybe some things, maybe some things happening behind the scenes. Um, Is there like an inner turmoil in Cincinnati right now? 
I think there is any time uh, a coaching staff or even the personnel department starts looking towards the future when there's so much time still to go. I mean, you're not yeah. supposed to be 0-8, 0-9, 0-10. You're supposed to be 3-7, and 7, right, You're if even if you're a bad team. So anytime you're at this point, you're eliminated from the playoff contention already. You have no choice but to look towards that potential number one pick. And the players can see, like, why is Ryan Finley out there? You know, anyone with eyes would say this is – this is not giving us a better chance to win. Now I get why you're doing it when you can step away and watch it from the outside and actually look to the future, but the players don't care about that. We talk about tanking around the NFL. Players aren't tanking. They're trying to win. They want their numbers. They want to play. They want to score touchdowns. That's what they do. They, it, you just can't flip a switch and say, I'm going to go out there and go through the motions. That's when you end up hurt or hurting your career. So these guys want the ball. There was a fourth down where the Bengals were down by seven, just a few minutes left to go. And they get um, cover zero and, Tyler Boyd's got one-on-one with the slot receiver, and he beats him to the inside. He looks, and Ryan Finley's going a whole different direction. And he's got to be frustrated. He's got one catch for zero yards on the game. He's He's got to look at this and, and just go, what are we even doing? What am I doing? Am I, I'm just getting wasted. Uh, he just signed a contract extension, so I'm sure he wants to contribute. And that's the hard part because coaches and, like, the GM and, and fans could say, we're not worried about Tyler Boyd. He's good. We know he's good. Players want to prove it all the time. Any little doubt, and they their abilities will start drip uh, um, going down a little bit. You know what I mean? And yeah. so when I look at it, I say, okay, I get why they're frustrated. But I have to look at it from the big picture. I kind of look at it like a GM or, you know, I try to view my team that way, especially when they're bad, as, okay, this is happening. But, guys, big picture, a good quarterback is probably coming. You'll forget about it next year, and you'll be having fun again. So I wanted to ask about – the defense and particularly about, you know, again, a lot of what you're, what you're looking at as a person who analyzes it and keeps up with the team, you're, uh, you're looking at the future of the defense. Now you got players like Geno Atkins that are 31 and, you know, they, they, they've, they've, he's done, he's, he's, he's kind of put in his fair share for this defense over several years, but you've got young players like Hubbard and Bates. Now Hubbard, you know, we, I remember before we, when we talked before, I remember he had that two sack game against the Seahawks, a lot of young promising things. He's had one sack since then, and uh, Bates has had two interceptions on the interception on, on the season. What's your read on those two guys as the young pe- as the young players of the, of the team that could you know help with the turnover into turning into what the Bengals have to build for the future on the defensive side of the ball? Are these guys that you're saying that hey yeah they can definitely be part of the mix as the next generation, or you're still kind of waiting to see more from them? I still think they're core players. And we came into the year with high hopes, especially for Bates, as to be like, maybe this guy can be your best defensive player at some point. That's how good his rookie year was. And he started off really poor. And there was a lot of communication issues. There was a lot of just mix-up stuff. And you could tell, I mean, they they had two defensive coordinators turn down the job in, in January and February. They ended up with a bunch of mismatch, inexperienced position coaches from all different type of schemes and all different type of backgrounds and different positions. It didn't look right on paper. And you, no surprise, they come out. And of course, week one, it looks good because you got months to prepare for it. Wheels fell off really quickly. And I, I think it affected every single person. And I think a good example of to, to display this is looking at like PFF grades and if you don't care for them or whatever, but I think they, show for every single defensive player on the Bengals basically dropped off 10 to 15 points from last year's staff and previous staffs. And you go, why does that happen? That's got to be a coaching issue. No one, no one unit completely. There's no one that's playing better than last year. They've all dropped off a little bit and you got to say, it's got to be issues. And when you hear things in the background, like they just don't have 
the communication between the, the secondary, the linebackers, and the defensive line. They can't agree on the rules. They're like, okay, if this happens, you got to take this guy. If, if this happens, I'm going to jump and do this. They can't agree on this stuff. They can't get answers on it. And it makes sense when you watch film and you go, yeah, okay, they're having these issues and the players aren't trusting what's going on because they don't have concrete answers on how to play this defense. But then the last two weeks, Jesse Bates with the interception both weeks, and there are plays where he's like, I see it, I'm going to jump it, and I'm going to take it over myself. And this is comes off the back of Zach Taylor saying, we need you young guys to take over this team. You guys are going to be the captains of this next group. It's not going to be Geno Atkins. It's not going to be Carlos Dunlap. It's not going to be these 30 and 31, 32-year-old guys. It's going to be you guys that are 23, 24. You're the next captains. And you can see Bates last two weeks take it over. There was a sequence on one drive where uh, Hunter Renfro and a good scheme by Oakland they they bunch the receivers, they get him a stack and switch release, and Hunter Redfro just gets an easy slant on William Jackson. Nothing Jackson can do because there's three guys there, and he just has to fight through them, but it's an easy slant for Renfro. They run it again three plays later, but switch it to the other side. Bates sees it, and you can see him inching up like, I got this, throw it again. And as soon as they do, he picks it off. And it's like, okay, you're taking it over. I appreciate that. That's exactly what should happen in an 0-10 team when you want these young guys to be your leaders. And for Hubbard, he's been the same guy. I never, I don't think he's going to be, ever be an 8-10 sack guy, but he's going to be high effort, high motor. He's going to give you everything he has all the time. He's good versus the run for the most part. There was times where he was attacked early in the year. And I think, again, when I go back and look, I go, it's probably because he didn't have uh, a lot of depth definition on what he was supposed to do on some of these plays but he's always making plays uh, using pff he's second in defensive stops in the league only behind joey bosa for defensive ends so that's a good thing i think i just think if he could ever get to be a six sack guy that's going to give you 35 pressures or so and play solid against the run and be a hard-working guy i think that's a quality asset going forward all right we're gonna go to break here when we come back we'll flip the script joe will ask chris and i about the steelers in this matchup against the Bengals right after this now we'll take a quick word from our sponsor, MyBookie. It's a new season. There are some players that have moved around, a lot of new faces in the AFC North. Odell Beckham Jr. is here. Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell are gone. One thing that hasn't changed is where I'm putting my money down on the games, and that's MyBookie, really the best place to bet on football every weekend. MyBookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sport book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping Super Contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least 100000 and it only costs $100 to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. So if you think you're good at picking against the spread, 100 bucks, do it all season, see if you can win hundred grand. I might give that a try myself. Sounds fun. Besides the Super Contest, my bookie also has live in-game betting on every NFL game. So if you get the inkling, you have the inclination that the second half of that Seattle Bengals game in week one is going to go a certain way, go put your money down. You can get up to a $1,000 bonus on your first deposit. You have to make sure you use promo code Locked On to activate the offer when you sign up. So go visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use a promo code Locked On when creating your account to claim your bonus. We'll be right back. All right, it's locked on Bengals, locked on Steelers for the last time this year because I don't think the Bengals are making the playoffs. But Steelers, how do you guys feel at this point and how the season has kind of gone? A lot of injuries, a little hope for Mason Rudolph there and midway through the point, midway through this, uh, what we've got so far this season. Defense playing really, really well for the most part. Uh, but it looks like you're looking at it, looking at the AFC landscape. You get a loss to the Browns and you kind of go, 
where are we at right now? So how are you guys feeling, and, and what is the outlook for the rest of the year for the Pittsburgh Steelers? It really has been a roller coaster ride of a year because it starts with Ben Roethlisberger getting the injury and this team going down to 0-3 and 1-4, and, and, and then they, they climb their way back to 5-4. and four And, you know, I mean, we were talking last week about this team, you know, not just making the playoffs, but, I mean, you know, there might have been talk on Locked On Steelers about, you know, what this team could do in the playoffs. Uh, we got a little ahead of ourselves. And now, you know, we, got, we, we fell back down to earth against the, the Browns, uh, that was a tough game. And, and really what, what, what's happened so far is that what we've come to find out is that this team has been winning because of defense and really solely because of the, the performance of the defense and, and really because of the turnovers that they've been able to get. Offensively, it's been a real struggle throughout the year. There was a bright spot, unfortunately for the Bengals, that bright spot was that game on Monday night when the Steelers ran that wildcat. I think that was probably still to this day the best 60 minutes of Steeler offense we've seen all year. Um, you know, Mason Rudolph just really has struggled to throw the ball down the field, you know, struggled with his confidence in reading defenses, finding open receivers. Um, you know, he's had an up and down year himself with, yeah, I guess, more downs than ups. But, you know, the, the defense has been solid throughout the year. They've been able to get, you know, in, impressive numbers of turnovers. They didn't do that on Thursday night, and that's why they lost that game. But I, I think there's still kind of a, a more quiet confidence in Pittsburgh that this team could still make some sort of run towards the playoffs. I mean, it's probably going to be somewhere closer to, to nine and seven than it was, you know, 10 and six or 11 and five, like, like Chris and I were talking about a week ago. But um, I think there's still, there still should be that confidence because of how well they've been playing defensively. After that, that game against the Browns, I mean, obviously it caught national attention there at the end. I want to get your guys take on that. How'd you feel at that point? Because I mean, we go back to that old, or that 2015 playoff game, Bengals Steelers, and how that bubbled up, and everyone got to watch that, and kind of the embarrassment of the, everything going on there. D- did you guys feel the same way again? What's and I, I think Bengals fans would be mad at me if I didn't say why are the Steelers always the common denominator? <laughs> well, it, it doesn't seem to me that it's the Steelers being the common denominator. It's teams from Ohio doing really dumb oh. things. I mean, I mean, come on. I'm I'm sorry. We gotta think bigger. Think bigger. The, the whole the state Steelers, is a, is at fault. It wasn't a Steeler that swung a helmet at the head of a Brown, just like it wasn't a Steeler that hit a referee and gave up a game that they won. I'm, it's, this is not a this is not a Steelers causing all the problems thing. This is teams that are undisciplined, losing control and not being able to show up in the right moments. And and and, and I, 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 that's the thing is like when people you know there's been the the but Mason Rudolph narrative. Do I think that Mason Rudolph could have handled that better? Of course. He 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 came off really he really poorly. Uh, you know when he was trying to pull his helmet off. But at the same time, that's like normal football scuffle things. Those those type of things happen every game when it gets testy. But nothing nothing compares to what Miles what Miles Garrett did. And what's crazy is is that Tony and I sat here that that in the night of that game and thinking like of all the things Vontez Perfect did, this is worse. And it, right. we never Crazy. thought we'd play that. Vontez, Vontez Perfect deserved to be locked up for some of the things he did. And this was another situation. This was even worse than that. So, uh, you know, the, I, I get that it, it, this, this, is, this is a question and fun. But it's uh, – I, I, I thought the Steelers actually handled themselves well in trying to get out of, get out of that situation. Because especially when uh, Ogun Joby came up behind Rudolph and shoved him to the ground – you know, from the back after everything had, that had already, he'd already been hit in the head with a helmet. There were two Steelers that approached him immediately and just pushed him back. And, and they, they could have swung on him. It could have gotten a lot worse. And one of those Steelers was Mason Ruff's college teammate and friend, James Washington. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that could have gotten a lot worse, but they kept their heads and they were able to, to get the one person who kind of, who lost it was Marquise Pouncey. Yeah, I was, was going to say, well, Pouncey, Pouncey and, with uh, the kicks maybe a little far. Right, but again, you know what? This guy just t- just tried to kill your quarterback. You, you know, that's I, – I get the initial response. And, yeah, the kicks were a little far. Though someone brought up that the kicks didn't actually connect with Garrett's head, which I was kind of like, wow, I, I thought that they definitely did. Um, he still deserves to be suspended because you shouldn't kick a guy when he's down. Um, but, yeah, I – I, th- I think that the Steelers, you know, Mike Tomlin said in, the, in, in his in his press conference this week, you know, someone asked him, you know, what are some teaching points you're gonna you're, you're taking from that? And he was like, what teaching points? We didn't do anything. <laughs> you know, we our, our guy got hit in the head with a helmet. You know, that's that, that that's uh, how, how else do you want them to respond? Right. I actually, uh, I, I was kind of feeling there was a lot of. I think Bengals fans took an interest in that because of everything that happened in 2015, and then. Bengals have had a long history of getting a little dirty back and forth with the Steelers. So uh, we were watching that and, and, you know, watching for the first time, the Browns kind of look like the Bengals be extremely undisciplined. And I think it's derailed their entire season. But because of that game, uh, there's you guys are going to feel it this week. I mean, there was injuries before that. I think it was that was mounting up all game. I mean, yeah. this, the, the Browns were taking some nasty shots, especially at the receivers. Uh, now you guys are probably going to be down a couple people plus the suspension. What's the injury? outlook look like for this game yeah everyone's hurt just everyone it's everyone so juju's got a concussion and a knee injury uh you got deontay johnson dealing with a concussion james connor's got a shoulder um i'm gonna miss some well according to tomlin benny snell might come back which is which is funny because you know benny snell was a guy coming into the year you watch him in preseason every Steeler fans thinking boy this guy he needs a year you know, to really work on his craft before you can really count on him. Now, the fact that Benny Snell's back, he's the savior. I mean, this guy is an absolute savior at running back right now. <laughs> Steeler fans are talking themselves into this guy being the next, you know, Jerome Bettis and Franco Harris put together. Um, yeah, I don't get it, but, you know, that, that'll happen, I guess. Um, are there, oh, Artie Burns is hurt, which, I don't know, that's a bad thing. That's a real tough loss. That's a real tough loss. Yeah, it's just, look, they, I mean, but... You know, you, these continue – really, the, the problem here is wide receiver, right? Because you have a quarterback in Mason Rudolph who's already having enough trouble delivering the ball to guys like Juju and Deontay Johnson, who was a, a rookie but really coming along. Um, and so if those guys can't play and you're left with Johnny Holton and Tevin Jones and James Washington as your top three receivers, and then, you know, they added Deion Kane – uh, this week, it, it's a really, it's just a really tough look for the Steelers at wide receiver right now, and that's that. At the, and then running back, of course, if it's just Jalen Samuels and Benny Snell, I mean, we talk about the skill position around Mason. You know, Mason Rudolph has his own problems. You know, he's we talk about Ryan Finley as being you know a, a bad quarterback. I mean, I put I wouldn't put Mason Rudolph maybe you know that low, but I, you know he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the league right now. And when you have no skill positions around you, it's not making your job any easier. So, and we got Pouncey too then, right? Suspended. Oh, that's so. right. Yeah. Pouncey won't play because of the suspension. Yes. Yeah. So where are you guys at with Rudolph then through, I mean, it's, it's not like you got a full season at this point. You'd probably like to have a full season to really know, but you gave away that first round pick. And I want to ask about Micah Fitzpatrick and the defense and the next question. So just looking at, at Rudolph and, and now five and five, if, right? That's what the record is. If you, if you don't yeah. make the playoffs, it could be a situation where they probably should have thought about a quarterback or could have thought about a quarterback there but what do you guys feel about Rudolph at this point are you like well we're still unsure or are you leaning towards yeah I don't think he's going to be the guy 
Oh, personally, I'm I'm still in the unsure department. A lot of Steelers fans are leaning towards the whole he's he's not the guy thing. Uh, the, the, the problem is he hasn't had his it factor moment. He hasn't had the hey, I'm going to put the team on my back as a rookie. You know, everyone thinks back to Ben Roethlisberger's rookie year when he comes in against the Cowboys and leads a fiery comeback, and then uh, and, and you know he leads them to 15 straight wins and everything. And, and people people don't understand there are different progressions of a quarterback you know not everyone comes out and lights it up but Mason Rudolph does have a problem and his problem is you know as you saw against the Bengals he checks down a lot and when he has to go when he has to target deeper down the field he hasn't been too strong with it you know he's lacked accuracy he's lacked field field awareness and uh, you know to, to to be expected with a with a second year third round draft pick of a quarterback but I mean, right now is you look. You keep. It's funny. His the the game against the Rams looked like it was his strongest game yet, and the numbers won't show that because there was there were drops, there were mistakes, there were problems, you know, around the board. But he was hanging in the pocket. He was making some decent throws. He was reading the defense, and he he was looking solid. And that was the most confident we had seen him as far as keeping his head up and targeting downfield. And then to have the complete flop of our flip of a game against the Browns. Now, yes, it was a short week. Uh, and this, he was under siege in the first half, but the offensive line figured it out in the second half, and he was missing wide open guys. I mean, guys that were just that were literally two yards in front of him, and he, he couldn't see them. That's the problem that I that I've been waiting for Mason Ruff to kind of face is when everything's against you, how do you respond? And he didn't respond well in this past game, so I don't think that the Steelers are going to be regretting the first round pick. I, they're not getting a top ten pick most likely unless they lose every game from this point out. Um, you know, so I don't, I don't expect them to really like miss out because I also don't think that if you get a if they get like a top, you know, a, a, a late teens pick, if they get that, I'm not sure if, if the quarterback of their future is going to be available at that point in time in this draft. Uh, and Micah Fitzpatrick is the, the safety of the future for this team. And he he may be him and Devin Bush and T.J. Watt as a trio could be devastating for, for the, for, uh, for the future of the Steelers defense. So I still think that trade would be worth it unless the only way we wouldn't, if this, if they, if they went Oh, and 16 or one and 15 and missed a chance at like a Joe Burrow type. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Mason Ruff, he hasn't shown me that he's done, you know, but he hasn't shown me that he's, that he's, he hasn't shown anything to say, Hey, you know, yep, this guy, this is the guy. I think the biggest factor though, is the fact that everyone knows that Ben Roethlisberger is coming back next year. So this was always sort of a rental year for, for Mason Ruff. Just like, Hey, we're going to see how you do this year. And if you do well enough, you know, we'll keep you around. If you do, if you do really well, then, you know, we can look at that, look at that. But uh, right now after the Browns game, you know, I'm still in the so-so department, but leaning towards they need to at least keep in mind. I don't think they'll draft the quarterback this year, but I think they should keep in mind the, the potential of drafting a quarterback in, say, 2021. Yeah, and it's funny that the uh, the defense this year is so good for them and, and has really won games for you guys. You know, think of the last few years where the they had all that offensive firepower and they couldn't get this defense going yep. in Pittsburgh. And finally it works. And, and it may have started, or maybe the, the cherry on top, if you will, was Micah Fitzpatrick in that trade. But you guys also got Devin Bush this year. Oh, that was somebody Bengals fans were definitely targeting. Yeah. What can you say about those two? And then you mentioned TJ Watt also. What was What's his jump been like now? This is year three, right? So uh, I was a big fan of him coming out of the draft. He measured crazy and, and you know, being a Watt brother, that tends to help you. But uh what what's the development look like for those guys? Are you like smitten completely? Like those, that's our trio on defense now. Hundred percent. I, I keep I keep telling Chris like you know just just freeze me in carbonite, wake me up in twenty twenty when this team has an offense again, and and let's see what this team can do 
you know, when it comes to being title contenders, because I'm, I'm a full believer. And, and I was, uh, I was very, very pessimistic coming into the year about this defense, but uh, they have certainly proven me wrong in, in many different ways. I mean, look, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick was the perfect player at the perfect time because he was the kind of player the Steelers just don't normally have a chance to get, which is a true playmaker in the secondary. And he's been every bit of that. Uh, you know, the guy has been, you know, the guy just creates turnovers out of the blue. He, you know, he did that the first game he was out there against the Niners. He created two turnovers in that game. Um, and, you know, he's basically done that in every week since, other than this game against Cleveland. You know, this team was number two in the league in turnovers. I don't know if they still are. They got none against the Browns, so they may have fallen behind a bit. Uh, but, you know, Minka's been terrific as a safety. You know, we talk about Devin Bush in the middle of the field. And, you know, while he's been quieter lately, you know, it's just, it was so easy in years past for teams to attack the Steeler defense over the middle, whether it was mm-hmm. tight ends, whether it was running backs, whether it was wide receivers, it didn't matter, right? You, you target the middle of the field, target John Bostic, target Vince Williams, target LJ Ford, whoever was out there. It was very easy for teams to attack. And, and while Mark Barron hasn't been perfect in the middle of the field, still been an upgrade from where this team was in years past. And and then, you know, you talk about TJ Watt and the improvement of this of this pass rush, which was already terrific in years past. I mean, this is a team that was, I believe, top five or top two in sacks the last couple years. Uh, this year, what I think has been different and what has been better about this pass rush is that they've been able to consistently do that without having to get cute with the with the you know the creative blitzes that Keith Butler likes to bring. TJ Watt much better in winning one on one situations. I think he's won like thirty five percent uh, he's got a win rate right now of 35% at at, um, at the pass rush. And then uh, Bud Dupree alongside him. It's been, it's been night and day for Bud. It's been, it took five years for Bud Dupree to finally figure it out. Right. But uh, here he is. He finally figured it out. And he's he looks great alongside him. So you, they finally have a tandem again. You know, you have to go back to, to Lamar Woodley and James Harrison uh, back in 2010 to, to have a, a pair like this. Uh, it's really been a night and day difference, and you talked about it, right? It's what with the pity of this year. As I, I'm not going to say that this defense has been wasted because it does have a lot of young talent that's going to continue to grow over the years. But boy, you do have to wonder what would have happened in a, in a universe where Ben Roethlisberger doesn't get hurt and Le'Veon Bell does sign that contract and Antonio Brown doesn't go completely insane, right? What would it look like if they had this defense with that killer B offense? You know, we'll never know, but you know, 2020 should show us something in that regard as, as this team gets Ben Roethlisberger back from injury. Yeah, so we're winding it down here. What do you guys think for predictions? Time for that? Yeah, let's do it. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna start us off, and I'm gonna say it's gonna be seven to twenty-nine Steelers. Okay. See, twenty-nine is a lot of points, and I don't know. I just you know we, we were joking. We were joking before the podcast about you know how, how does anyone get to ten in this game? It's got to be turnover, right? Touchdowns. Yeah. You know, it's it's got to be turnovers. Um, I'm going to predict a low scoring. I'm going to predict something like 13 to six, something like that. I just think it's going to be a low scoring game. The Steeler defense has gotten turnovers uh, so often this year that um, this feels like another game where they should be able to get two or three. And if they do get two or three, maybe they can put up some points. But you know, they they really should have been able to get some against an. Un- we talked about an undisciplined Cleveland team. They weren't able to do that. You have to wonder if it's just a, a turnover luck type of thing. So I'm still going to predict the Steelers to win this game, but. I'll say it's it's a low scoring like thirteen to six type game. I'm gonna go with three to seventeen. I think it's still gonna be low scoring, but I do think that the Steelers defense will dominate it enough. Um, I just you know, it, it, you know looking at Finley man and just seeing the way he played, like you were saying, he's he he doesn't make even the normal throws. 
that you'd expect someone to make. And uh, he and this Steelers defense, you know, they they struggled early against the Browns. They gave up to a couple big plays early, but as soon as they adjust made that adjustment, they really locked down on on the Browns and, and Baker Mayfield. You know, he made a couple plays again. He made a couple plays early, but once they started to figure that out and they adjusted and they took away some of the things he liked to do, uh, they they really kept the Steelers in the game. Uh, I, I think that the the Bengals just they're they're beat up so much with you know they're missing players. They're in a rebuild mode, anyways. I, I think this is a prime opportunity for the Steelers to uh, to boost that turnover count, which Tony is still number two in the NFL because okay. The, the, the thing is that they're so far they're th- them and the Patriots are so far ahead of everyone else. The Patriots have 28. The Steelers have 26. The next team is 22. And so like it would, it would take probably another two weeks of the Steelers not getting any turnovers for them to, to, to see that, to, to lose the number two spot most likely, or one of those teams that are right behind them to do make a huge spurt. They also have 34 sacks this year, which is fourth best. And the Niners are and the, the Panthers are number one with 39. Um, the Steelers have been number one the past two seasons. So uh, I, I think the defense is going to make a lot of plays for the Steelers. Uh, I think the Steelers are, are going to try and reemploy some of the running schemes they used in the Bengals the first time to make it easier for Mason Rudolph. But I also think that Randy Feetner is going to challenge Mason Rudolph to make some of those throws down the field. And I know the Steelers are most likely going to be missing Juju Smith-Schuster and maybe De- Deontay Johnson as well. But he has to find a way you know, even when, when there's a guy that's wide open, I mean, even, you know, last last week against the Browns, there were players that were wide open and Mason Ruff didn't even look their way on key downs. Um, he has to he has to make that play. He has to make those types of plays if he wants to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, let alone the Steelers air. Maybe uh, maybe Miles Garrett knocks some sense into him on Thursday. Maybe, maybe he, he fixed his brain. It's like rookie of the year. <laughs> oh man. All right. Thanks you guys for joining me and uh, doing this again. And uh, you know, after this week, Take luck for the rest of the year and just let us be in our own world over here losing every single game because the ultimate goal is to get that quarterback from the Bengals side. But again, Tony, Chris, thank you guys for doing this with me again. Yeah, thank thank you. you. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.